Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Talent. I'm Nicole Fuqua. You're listening to our audio series where we dig into issues related to talent acquisition. Today, we're looking to the future, talent acquisition in 2020. Joining me for this conversation is Madeline Lorano, the founder of Aptitude Research, an industry research firm. Every year, Aptitude Research conducts three major surveys to gather qualitative and quantitative data about the talent acquisition landscape, from the biggest challenges facing recruiting teams to how leaders in the field are integrating innovative technology into their programs. Earlier this year, Lorano gave a keynote presentation at People Scout's 2019 Next Talent Summit. Madeline, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Nicole. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for taking some time to chat with me. Absolutely. The first thing I wanted to do is ask you about your background. Can you tell me a little bit more about your work as an analyst and where the research we're going to talk about today comes from? Yeah, great question, because the analyst role is a little bit of a strange one, I think, in our industry. And, you know, providing some clarity there, I think, will help with the conversation that we're talking about today. So I do research on talent acquisition and talent management, uh, focusing mostly on the talent acquisition pre-hire side. And I do about, through my firm, Aptitude Research, about three major surveys every year. So we do quantitative analysis, looking at survey results. We survey employers from every company size, from the SMB market to the mid market to the large enterprise. And we look for what companies are challenged with, what strategies they have in place, and then what services and technology they're using to support them. So we do those, those big surveys and we can do lots of cool data cuts on that by industry and company size. And then with that, we do a lot of interviews. So a lot of qualitative research, um, talking to heads of talent acquisition at different firms and in different industries. And that's really where I feel like the most important research we do is, is having those conversations, hearing from companies what they're struggling with, what they're thinking about in terms of services and technology, and what they're looking for in the future. With that research, what would you say are some of the most pressing issues in talent acquisition right now? Yes, I would say the biggest challenge, and this is across all organizations of size and different industries, is that talent acquisition has become so incredibly complex. We have new technology solutions, new services. Companies are thinking about expanding the, the roles and the expertise on their talent acquisition function. And while all of this presents exciting opportunities, at the same time, it's creating a lot of challenge because we have to be able to manage all of these different priorities and be able to really make sense of what technology we're using, what strategies we have in place. So I would say the, the biggest challenge that we see is that the talent acquisition strategy and the technology to support it has become incredibly complex. So how are organizations responding to these pressures and this complexity? In what way are they successful? And in what ways are they still coming up short? Yeah, great question. So the companies that we see that do a really good job of being able to manage this complexity are really trying to figure out what, looking inside and figuring out what their priorities are, staying in their own lane, figuring out through whether it's an internal needs analysis or going through the process of really being very specific on, on what processes they have in place, what strategies they need, that are specific to their organization. 
um, have done a really great job. We've seen a lot of companies in the past year go through a very extensive process for EVP, um, companies that have really thought through some of their recruitment marketing initiatives. So a lot of different ways that companies are making sure that they have the right strategies in place to make sure that whatever they do moving forward, whether it's with strategies or whether it's through technology and services, really can help them be able to manage that. The other thing that I say that companies are doing a great job of is being able to think about the services that they use and the technology they use in a very different way. So thinking less about finding a vendor and or thinking about finding a provider that will support whatever challenge they're facing and looking at partners. So how can we invest in whether it's an RPO company or whether it's an ATS provider to think about a true partner, an organization that truly understands what their unique needs are and is willing to be able to, you know, work with them to, to meet those needs. Looking ahead to 2020, what should leaders be keeping in mind to tackle these issues? Yeah, it's so interesting. I think one thing that talent acquisition needs to think about is a lot of the expertise that is needed today is very different than in the past. So um, one thing is really looking at what your organization needs in terms of its own skills and where you need to partner again to be able to fill those gaps. So we're seeing a lot of digital expertise, data scientists, thinking about candidate experience managers, now on a lot of talent acquisition teams. And not every organization has the luxury of having these different roles and skills within their organization. So then looking at partners to be able to support them in those areas. Employer branding is certainly an area there as well for organizations that really need to think about improving their brand, coming up with a strategy around employer branding, making sure that they have the right expertise. And oftentimes that comes through a partnership. Um, I think the other way that organizations really can manage the complexity with talent acquisition today is to think about candidate communication. I mean, one of the challenges that companies are facing is this incredible competition for talent. We're seeing shrinking talent pools, low unemployment. Organizations really need to be able to differentiate themselves. And oftentimes that can come through communication. It's a big part of employer branding. It's a big part of how we engage with talent before they apply. It's a big part of how we even move someone throughout the entire process from the apply process to the screening, to the interviewing, the assessment, and, and the offer on board. So that candidate communication really needs to be very strategic. So often candidates have not received any communication in the past. You know, I, I remember years ago applying for jobs and not having any idea where I was at in the process or if I received the job or not. So to be able to provide very simple communication, and sometimes that's coming through a lot of the conversational AI solutions out there, the chatbots, it's coming through being able to enhance some of the capabilities in the ATS. It's coming through just being able to, to be more judicious about how we engage with our candidates. And then I think the final piece that I would say for companies that are really looking for the future is we have spent so much time as organizations focusing on in the past few years on recruitment marketing efforts, thinking about everything that happens before someone applies for a job. And it's so important. We need to make sure that we're really looking at solutions that are going to be used within our organizations, going back to that partnership, finding partners through services and technology that are actually going to help us do a better job of engaging with talent even before they apply. 
But I think even beyond that, we have to think about what that experience um, looks like after somebody is actually going through the process. And I think so often we don't focus on the interview piece and, and what that looks like. And I think organizations really looking to make some improvements in, in the next year will, will need to focus there as well. And then I think the, the, the last piece I'll focus on with all this complexity and talent acquisition today is organizations really need to think about managing not only our full-time traditional workforce, our employees, but also the contingent workforce as well. And strategic talent acquisition for the future really needs to think about a broader view of that, a total talent acquisition strategy. And organizations oftentimes struggle with that because we have to think about procurement, we have to think about HR and, and talent acquisition and you know, both owning different, different parts of the workforce. We need a more cohesive strategy. And that typically, again, is going to come through a partner helping organizations to facilitate that. Thank you. There's a lot there that I want to get back to. I want to start by coming back to this idea of complexity. It seems like the world in general is just getting more complex. So with this background, how do you simplify the talent acquisition process? What does that look like? Can you Marie Kondo talent acquisition? Yes, exactly. That's actually what I call it. That's why I'm doing a presentation on the Marie Kondo talent acquisition right now. So I love that you, that you said that. So especially for the talent acquisition technology, right? Because companies are using so many different providers. I mean, we've talked to companies where, you know, on average, they're using up to 30 different providers to support their talent acquisition function. And that's expensive. Uh, there's not consistency there when you think about the experience. There uh, is not much you can do in terms of having consistent data sets to look at. So really being able to figure out what you need in terms of technology, how it's going to be used throughout your organization, and narrowing down the list of providers that you might be using that might not be that effective. We found, you know, just to pull out recruitment marketing for as an example, a lot of companies are using several different recruitment marketing solutions within their organization. And we found that only 2% of companies are using all of those capabilities. So it's really looking at what's not working and thinking about a provider that can support you in a more, a more um, holistic strategy. I think mobile first is a really important thing to think about with technology too, especially for organizations um, that you know have flexible workers or thinking about high volume to make sure that a mobile first strategy is in place with the technology. Uh, to make it really simple, really easy, making sure that candidates move along through the process, making sure that hiring managers are engaged, um, keeping it as simple as possible. So how important is employer branding and recruitment marketing right now? And how do you do it well? Yeah, I think recruitment marketing and employer branding play a huge role in talent acquisition right now. And that's unique because that wasn't always the case. You know, for so long, organizations did very little to engage with talent or to elevate their brand in any way. Um, and today it plays a huge role within the talent acquisition function and really sets the stage. So for organizations, it's really thinking about how do we have a strategy that can communicate our brand to candidates even before they apply? How do we make sure that we're reaching the right talent in a way that feels more meaningful? How do we engage with talent, even if they might not be ready for roles at this second that we can reach out to when we do have something available that might be the right fit for their organization? 
and you know, thinking about kind of the broader picture, it's recruitment, marketing, and employer branding really impact everything that an organization does beyond talent acquisition. It impacts customer success, customer retention. So it's, I, I think it plays a huge role. And I think that's why so many companies understand that and they're increasing their investment there. It's just really understanding what that means for your organization. And then again, finding those partners. I think there's a lot of startups entering the space right now in, in those two areas. So it's really making sure that, that you find a partner that has that staying power and can support your organization. So when you're looking at these kind of partners, how do you determine if they're the right fit? What kinds of questions should you be asking? What factors should you be evaluating? Yeah, I like to say it's really looking at things that are beyond just a demo and beyond just what's on somebody's website. So I look at it under four buckets. It's really thinking about the company in general. What are their values? What does their leadership team look like? How many employees do they have? How many employees are focused on research and development? What does their customer base look like? What's their target customer? Um, sometimes it's even looking at different reviews online. And then the next piece of it is really looking at the product, getting into some of those technical questions around the development technology, thinking about those things like mobile first, if that's important, looking at what products are included, what languages are supported. Then it's really looking at the differentiators. I like to always ask different providers what their differentiators are. And then after kind of going through the process and understanding what they do, figuring out if that's what I'm seeing, if I'm seeing the same, the same differentiators. And I think that can be very telling. And I think the final piece is asking about the roadmap. What's planned for the future? Is this a provider truly invested in making enhancements and um, providing that flexibility to organizations? Now, when you spoke at the People Scout Next Talent Summit, you mentioned that candidate communication has actually been getting worse over the past few years. Why is that happening and what can leaders do to change that? Yeah, it was very surprising to me when we looked at the data this year and, and last year as well to see that companies actually are not improving candidate communication. It's getting worse. And I think that goes back to the complexity of talent acquisition. I think talent acquisition leaders are feeling overwhelmed. I think recruiters are spending most of their time scheduling interviews, searching for candidates in the ATS, and we're not doing some of the more engaging strategic areas and communication is certainly one of those. So I think uh, the other piece of it is a lot of companies are using some traditional technology providers that may have improved communication capabilities, but organizations either don't recognize that that can happen or they're not using them that way. You know, most ATSs were not designed to communicate and engage with candidates. They've certainly enhanced their capabilities to be able to do so today, but that's not what their original design is. And many organizations are not using them to do so. So even to simply provide a status bar um, isn't happening for a lot of companies. So what is the relationship between candidate communication and employer branding? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's such a strong relationship because uh, employer branding is not just coming up with what the brand means, how it aligns with the corporate brand. Employer branding is also about translating that brand to candidates in a way that feels relevant and meaningful and is done frequently. So the, the communication piece, um, and it needs to feel like it's authentic as well. So that communication piece with the brand plays, plays, a, plays a big role. And I think, you know, I love that question because I think so often 
that's what companies are forgetting to do. It's we have defined what our employer brand means. Um, and that's the end of it. It's know that the work that needs to happen is that communication. So throughout our conversation so far, we have touched on technology without directly addressing it. So thinking about the current technology options out there in talent acquisition, how do you decide which solutions will make the most impact? How do you decide which tools will do the most to improve the candidate experience? I mean, if you could automate the whole process, is that something you should consider? How do you know which tech is right for your organization? Yeah, a great question. And, uh, you know, thinking about what that tech, tech stack looks like for companies. And I'd say that the thing is that it's going to be a little bit different for every company. I think exactly to your point, we can automate every single area. Most companies actually are not. <laughs> um, but I, you know, for me, it's at a very basic level, a company needs some type of recruitment marketing platform, an ATS and an onboarding system. Every company of every size should have that. That's what we call the, the trifecta. It's having those three um, systems in place to make sure that you have a way of engaging and tracking and you know, managing talent even before they apply, thinking about the ATS, moving someone along through the process, and then thinking about some way to extend the offer and onboard someone so that the forms are filled out and that they feel engaged with the company culture. That's the, the basic tech stack, if you will. And then within that, it's really looking at what ecosystem you need to be able to support that, to automate the rest, to think about um, enhancing communication, to think about providing stronger branding or, or sourcing or assessment, whatever whatever your organization needs. So most companies will have screening solutions. Most companies will have some type of assessment. Um, we're seeing more and more companies using some type of interview management system. Um, doesn't necessarily um, mean a, a digital interviewing provider. Um, and then, you know, there's lots of sourcing solutions and, uh, you know, different, different types of um, branding as well. So I think it's it's really simplifying it as much as possible. And, and to me, it's really coming down to that, that trifecta. We need a, a system to be able to engage with talent before they apply. We need an ATS and we need an onboarding system. Thank you. There's just one more topic you mentioned earlier. I just want to dig into a little bit more and that's total workforce. So how would you say organizations are doing on the transition to total workforce for organizations that aren't there yet? Why should they be thinking about moving in that direction and what kind of benefits come with it? Yeah, it's such a timely and interesting question. I think what we're seeing is that most companies are still very immature when they think about total workforce. Most companies are really separating the way that they handle the full-time employees from the contingent uh, hires. And a lot of times it's not because there isn't the demand there. It's because that's how they're structured. Procurement's responsible for contingent. HR, talent acquisition, is responsible for uh, your your permanent workforce, uh, more traditional workforce. And and oftentimes that, that communication isn't there between the two. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is that a lot of HR and talent leaders don't necessarily want to be responsible for contingent. If, you know, we've been talking for the past 20 minutes about how complex and overwhelming talent acquisition has become just in all these other areas and how we really need partners more than ever before to add a whole nother layer onto that 
just adds to that complexity. And that can feel very overwhelming to um, organizations, obviously, that are still struggling with some of these basics like candidate communication. So thinking about total workforce, the, the need is there. It's coming from executives within an organization. We need more visibility around total workforce. Um, and organizations need to think about getting help to, to be able to do that. They need to think about partnering with organizations to, to be able to provide services there to manage both. That's where they're most successful. So for organizations that are further along in the total workforce journey, what kind of changes and benefits are they seeing? I would say more visibility. So you're able to um, provide more visibility to senior leaders on the total workforce. So yeah, I think the, the contingent side is really where most companies have questions. They don't know what they're spending on contingent workers. They don't know how much overlap is happening between their traditional workforce and contingent workforce. And they don't know really what plans they need for the future. Organizations that have done a really good job have a really strategic workforce planning process in place. I think they go hand in hand. Um, they're able to provide that visibility to senior leaders on the workforce. They're oftentimes able to reduce costs because a lot of times the work is uh, redundant. You're, you're seeing your traditional workforce doing the same work that contingent workers are doing or contingent workers are being used within the organization and um, may not uh, just be aware for, you know, beyond their team or beyond their manager. So I think that that visibility, being able to be more efficient, reduce costs. Um, and for some organizations, they might be even making a case to use even more contingent workers to say, we have this visibility. Um, look what we've been able to do within this part of the organization. Maybe we should start thinking about using contingent more than we are today. And before we wrap up today, I just have one last question for you. Looking back on our full conversation today, what advice do you have for our listeners as they look forward to 2020? Where should their focus be and what should be their biggest takeaways? Yes, I think um, if the focus is really thinking about simplicity, I mean, I think we've talked about the complexity as the big challenge, so I want to focus there. Um, think about how to make this more manageable simplifying what strategies you need in place, simplifying your tech landscape so that you're using for, you know, providers that are truly your partners and that are able to support you in many different ways um, is really important. I think, you know, we talked about that expertise, really understanding what expertise you need to make your talent acquisition function successful, whether that's the digital expertise, more employer branding services we've talked about, data scientists, um, and and thinking about how you can either bring those onto your team or partner with a services provider to, to support you. Um, and I would say, you know, the final piece is uh, thinking about embracing some of these areas that haven't been part of talent acquisition um, and really taking ownership and being a champion for them. You know, employer branding is certainly one. We've seen a lot of talent acquisition leaders and talent acquisition professionals really embracing branding um, and becoming experts in that area. I think data analytics is certainly another area. Talent analytics is another area where, you know, talent acquisition leaders can become champions and, and really advocate for that. Total workforce is another we just talked about. Um, and really have fun with that. You know, there's so much with talent acquisition that can feel tactical and can feel overwhelming. To be able to find these areas and become champions for them can feel really empowering. 
Um, and then I think just the, the last final piece I will say, and then I will um, hand it back to you, is that this is an amazing industry to be in. It's an amazing community. I mean, I feel so fortunate to be able to, to do research on talent acquisition and to have learned so much from different organizations. And really what I've noticed that's different than other industries is the community that, that is talent acquisition and the willingness of talent acquisition professionals to share their experience, share their expertise, um, and share the, their learnings with other organizations. And that's something that I think organizations really need to take advantage of is, is the community that exists within talent acquisition. I think that is the perfect place to wrap up our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you have any questions that we didn't cover today, you can send them our way. Just email us at marketing at peoplescout.com, or you can find us on social media. Just search People Scout on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To make sure you don't miss an episode, visit our website and subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review. Talking Talent is a People Scout production. Music by Sound Design through Shutterstock.